Welcome to What in the Wellness with Tiffany, where we have real conversations dedicated to helping women make holistic wellness easier. Through education, self-exploration, and actionable steps, mixed with a bit of laughs and real-life experience, What in the Wellness with Tiffany is meant to be your companion on your personal wellness journey. I'm your host, Tiffany Stewart, certified health coach, internationally featured wellness writer, business owner, info geek, loud laugher, and mom of two. I'm so happy that you're here with us. Let's get started. Today's sponsor is Moment of Bliss. Moment of Bliss is a skincare line that uses organic and sustainably sourced herbs, butters, and oils to create face wash, toners, night cream, eye cream, serum, deodorant, and dry shampoo. With a focus on quality, each product is made in very small batches and with so much love. I'm personally in love with Moment of Bliss's Elderflower Face Serum. It's made with pomegranate seed oil, geranium oil, rosemary antioxidant extract, and a couple of other nourishing all-organic ingredients. You can find Moment of Bliss products on Etsy with a link also in the show notes, and listeners will receive 15% off by using the code TIFFANY15, T-I-F-F-A-N-Y-1515 at checkout. Hey everyone, how you doing? It's officially fall going into winter, and I am super happy to be back And I'm hoping that you listen to this episode during the holidays while we're doing all the cooking because why not? It's like the perfect time to catch up on podcasts. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. My name is Tiffany Stewart. I am a certified holistic health coach and I'm really happy to be making this content which is really focused on helping women um, and anyone but mostly women, sorry, find ways to make living their best life easier. And in this particular episode, we are speaking to a heart surgeon, believe it or not. And he's sharing his story on how he became one of the leading heart surgeons in Long Island. And the reason why I really wanted to get him on the podcast is because I wanted to kind of dissect or get into the brains of people that do hard things. So being able to speak with him was really reassuring to me because it made me realize and that really the power is in having the right mindset and being willing to do the work. So today we're speaking to Dr. Brian Lima, who is a cardiac surgeon, associate professor of surgery, and recognized authority in advanced heart failure. He has published nearly 80 articles in peer-reviewed medical journals and presented at numerous national and international medical conferences. As a surgical director of heart transplantation at North Shore University Hospital, Dr. Lima helped launch the first and only heart transplant program on Long Island. Dr. Lima completed his undergraduate studies at Cornell University and was awarded a Dean's Full Tuition Scholarship to attend Duke University School of Medicine. During medical school, Dr. Lima spent a year at Harvard Medical School's Transplantation Biology Research Center as a Stanley Sarnoff Cardiovascular Research Fellow. He then completed his general surgery residency training at Duke University Medical Center 
and subsequent heart surgery training at the Cleveland Clinic, where he was awarded the prestigious Dr. Charles H. Bryant Annual Clinical Excellence Award in Cardiovascular Surgery. Today, we're not really diving into heart transplant surgery at all. We're just talking about his story, which he shared in his book, Heart to Beat, A Cardiac Surgeon's Inspiring Story of Success and Overcoming Adversity the Heart Way. I will have the book linked in the show notes so you can go and check it out for yourself. But before we do get into the interview, I do want to mention that I did record this episode back in March when we were in like the first of beginning stages of COVID and everything showing up and and life changing as we know it. So if we mention it in the conversation, just don't be thrown off. It's just the timing in which we had recorded it. And I had some technical difficulties between now and then. And this is why this interview is dropping now. So without further ado, Dr. Brian Lima. Hi, Dr. Lima. How are you doing? I'm great. Taking it one day at a time. How are you? (laughs) Good. Um, We kind of chatted before about um, what you're currently doing. Um, But if you could, well, first, Either way, um, you can kind of tell people the first question is, could you tell us a little about, bit about yourself and your work? And I want to put on there, could you tell us actually what you're currently doing too? Because that would be pretty uh, interesting for everyone to know. Sure. So uh, before COVID, <laughs> uh, literally weeks ago, um, I was a heart surgeon. I am a heart surgeon and I uh, specialize specifically in advanced heart failure. So heart transplant, mechanical heart pumps for for heart failure. So basically, when we've exhausted all other options, all conventional treatments or surgeries, um, you know, um, figuring out a way to replace your heart function in some way. And um, trained for a long time. So it's uh, 10 years of training and residency and fellowship after medical school. Um, And I've been in practice now uh, since 2012, so going on eight eight, nine years. And um, see, I'm a, now that COVID is set in, uh, <laughs> I, I'm a COVID doctor, like all of my other colleagues and all our other specialties. And um, I'm here in the sort of epicenter uh, of, of this crazy disease where our entire hospital here in Long Island is uh, chock full. It's all COVID patients. All of our ICUs have been converted into COVID units. And um, even our own, you know, heart surgery, you know, ICU dedicated to heart surgery is is converted into a COVID unit. And myself and my other partners in heart surgery, we we take turns staffing it for, you know, 12 hour shifts at a time. And literally, that's all we take care of now, uh, for the most part. So it's a different world. Um, but wow. barring any catastrophe, uh, I can hang with here you know on the phone with you and we can chat (laughs) (laughs) because that's what i said i said i was shocked i was like does he even have time to talk (laughs) yeah it was more like a play it by ear type of thing i was i was hoping that we could make it work and so far so good (laughs) well thank you so much for your work that you're doing on the front line and also for giving us some a, a little bit of your time today my pleasure my pleasure so my next question for you is how did you know this was your purpose it uh, happened when I was in college. I f- thought I wanted to be a doctor. 
but really I didn't know any doctors. I didn't grow up in a family of doctors. My, my parents were, came over from Cuba with my two older siblings who we were sort of lower class, blue collar. Uh, I just thought it sounded cool, uh, <laughs> as corny as that sounds. But somehow I got plugged into a summer program at NYU and I was able to shadow surgeons and they let me scrub in on a surgery and watch and that was it it was love at first sight i was in for wow. it hook line and sinker and i knew then that that's what i wanted to do it just clicked and uh that was 1997 <laughs> so, wow yeah yeah never look back wow like so like just because it's hard to explain um because it took me a long time to find my purpace, I guess, of sorts. And yeah. um, wh how would you kind of explain that if you could? You know, I know you said it like it clicked, but just for because there are a lot of women and people who are sure feel that they just don't know, you know, how do they know? <laughs> yeah, and I think I, well, I'm, I know I was lucky. I know it's an exception probably where you see something and right away you know deep in your heart that that's what you want to do mm -hmm. um it i wasn't expecting it it just was one of those things i saw it and uh it, it, it i knew right then and there that that's what i wanted to do but the to, to to round it out really made the difference is the mentor that i stumbled upon there a surgeon mm -hmm. who who let me into the operating room he also was very encouraging. He he was uh, he's like, you know, this is great. You know, so someone who was doing, uh, you know, allowing me to watch and then so into it and so passionate about it that it rubbed mm -hmm. off on me and he encouraged me. So I think having mentors also that can show you the ropes, uh, encourage you, um, maybe even uh, push you a little bit um, having someone like that that has confidence in you can also clinch you know what that calling is going to be for somebody um, so as as I'm sure we'll get into later I didn't really have role, professional role models I had great moral role models in my parents but as far as professionally speaking I didn't really have anyone to look to uh, in my immediate surroundings I had to seek those out and hmm. I think when you do that you, you come across people that can inspire you. And I think that really makes a, a, a huge difference because here you see someone that um, you admire that is doing something that they're passionate about and you're drawn to that. And so that that is kind of part and parcel of what happened to me. And it could be surgery, it could be uh, anything really, as long right. as um, you have that passion for it. Um, but it does, it, it's, it, it, there's a little work involved. I mean, it, it was fortuitous, but also, had I, had that person not been so encouraging and, and you know, and positive, maybe it right. wouldn't have clicked like that for me. Well, that's good. That's good. Because like, as I mentioned in, in, in the intro, and I'm going to mention as well, is that even though you are a surgeon and, you know, everybody's like, okay, well, I can't, maybe I won't be able to specifically relate to you and what you do, but the path to get there, that's something that we're, we're trying to, I'm trying to flush out right. and make relatable yeah. for every, everyone to getting to whatever it is that you want to do, you know, that may seem hard. And so I'm really glad that you brought up the mentor part because having someone, anyone that may be already doing what it is that you might be thinking about doing, um, that's a really good, good, you know, a good path to, to look into. Sure. So thank you. Absolutely. So in your new book, Hearts to Beat, 
which is mm -hmm. focused on your on your story, including the challenges faced in getting to your position as a leading heart transplant surgeon, is somewhat it oh it is somewhat different than what others would expect coming from a medical professional such as yourself. What made you decide on going this route instead of one a book based more in actual health or preventative practices? So it's, um, it's funny in that, you know, in the process of becoming a heart surgeon, I, I really, it's, um, I served 10 years of hard time, <laughs> so to speak. I, I didn't see the light of day. I mean, it was literally just, um, I was so laser focused and so shielded from the outside world because I literally, there was no space left in any day for anything else, but, but that. So Finally, when I finished at the age of 35, which is kind of how long it took, um, <laughs> uh, I came up for air finally, and I kind of got to sort of see the world around me and engage more and participate more in sort of civilian life, so to speak. And right. um, I got, I just increasingly got more and more just concerned with so many people that I was running into, friends or just acquaintances who were just selling themselves short and settling for definitely not what they wanted to be or dreamed of being when they were, you know, little kids, right? We all have mm -hmm. these big dreams of, you know, nothing's out of bounds. And, uh, you know, before we let the, you know, the real world, so to speak, kind of, um, yeah, look elsewhere. And I just feel like people really weren't giving themselves the benefit of the doubt and chasing their dreams. And it's because they either they were afraid or they just felt like it wasn't, um, their path to take that they weren't meant for that that they weren't good enough and this i had i had this increasing urge and finally it just all spilled out into my you know these notes that i took and finally it snowballed into this book where it's basically a story about yeah it, specifically i'm a heart surgeon but really it's a story that applies to any walk of life where if you're willing to put in the time and willing to stay consistent and deal with the failures along the way really nothing very little is out of your reach but it's just sort of embracing that idea that n there's nothing special or magical about success you know it's success right. success isn't some mystical thing that's preordained for people uh it's for the it's for the taking right mm -hmm. um and you got to take it but it's not going to be easy and i, I think especially today with all the distractions that we have and social media and we're flooded with all these images of overnight success and this, that, and the other, it's getting harder and harder for people to, you know, conceptualize the, that reality. And it's easier to just say, ah, you know, that's just too long. It's too hard. I'm not meant for that. I don't fit the bill. I don't fit that description. That's just not meant for me. And they just settle. And it's really, I think that's so tragic. Right, you're right. And without giving too much of your book away, can you give us two examples of adversities you faced on your path, which anyone could relate to, and how you overcame them? Sure. The easiest one um, to to sort of talk about is the fact that I really did not have above average intelligence or natural talent um, throughout. Hmm my entire schooling whether it was college medical school and beyond um i i'm definitely as far as iq like natural i would probably be at the bottom for for, for those types of 
classes and things like that. But I just outworked everybody. Um, I never had a photographic memory. I can't even begin to tell you the the <laughs> the genius mutants that were in my classes that were just out of this world, could read <laughs> something once and it was, that's it. It was etched in their memory. I had to work so, so, so hard for stuff to stick. Um, but when they let their foot off the, you know, the gas pedal, I kept it, you know, floored and oh. I kept at it consistent. And I was over, you know, I was able to overcome whatever natural deficiencies I had. And I, in the book, it's a chapter I call artificial intelligence, like heart official, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. meaning whatever you lack in natural God-given talent, you can compensate for with effort, with just, you know, you know, go all, you know, go all in with your heart after it and you can overcome those deficits. So that was how I was able to overcome, you know, what I wasn't born with. I just made up for it with work ethic. And we, and, you know, and we touched on the whole role model thing. I didn't have any, you know, we, we didn't speak Spanish. We, we only spoke Spanish at all. So I didn't learn English till school. Um, I didn't have any professional role models. So I had to seek those out. I had to find those people that showed me the ropes and, you know, I had no idea, you know, how do you apply to college or how do you get into a good college or in college, how do you get into medical school? What are all the things that you have to do? And it was basically finding those people that had done those things and and done them well and been successful and Mm -hmm. just basically reverse engineering that, you know, into, it was like, okay, this is what they did to make it Mm -hmm. work. So I'm going to do the same thing. try to right and so so much of that is just knowing what the steps are what the rules of engagement are and playing the game really and you did ask um the the people who you saw that were already doing the things that you were doing you know wanted to do rather right i think a lot of times people think that they're going to be brushed off a lot of time so do you do you think in your opinion or in your experience rather um were people more receptive than you thought they were going to be? I think they were, but also some of it was just passive learning, meaning um, just being around them and, uh, and hearing, oh, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Um, I would just, it was almost like being a spy, <laughs> like just getting the, you know, getting this, this insider info. Um, Honestly, nowadays, I don't think there's any excuse at all just because of the information age, the internet, everything. You want to find out how to do anything, you know, put together a rocket fuel engine for outer space. You'll find an article about it, how to do it. I mean, there's, there's so little right now that, that you can't learn about or find out about the inside scoop. It's, that information is for the taking. It's low-hanging fruit, regardless of what area it is. Um, so I think that's really made, that's, in my opinion, definitely leveled the playing field for everybody yes. because it's, it's all there. It's all, you know, if there's been one good thing about the internet and, you know, all this stuff, it's the, the, and basically even the playing field and allowed anybody to get the information they need about anything. Yes. I, I am, I would say that I'm the result of that. Like, I just, <laughs> like figuring yeah. stuff, I'm literally like figuring stuff out all the time. Like people are like, how do you do this? And you're, you're, you know, how do you, 
make wellness content for women yet you still have two kids and you have a whole thing and you're like i'm like look you look the internet you can figure some things out <laughs> and so it does level the playing ground for example right, reach. <laughs> writing a book i mean uh since when does a heart surgeon write a book about self-improvement that's crazy yes. uh, and so <laughs> I, I i never i mean i'd written a lot of stuff you know in you know in the medical literature like articles and stuff but i'd never written a book before i had no idea what i was doing or how to go about it but mm -hmm. i learned everything online how to do it how to you know how to get you know critic reviews of your of your book how, where to right. submit it blah i mean you name it and it was all just right there uh, oh, that's so, awesome that's yeah. awesome because we definitely do have a lot of people in the audience who are like self you know like they're trying to figure it all out themselves and so even knowing that that you went that route was that's <laughs> that should be validating to them <laughs> Definitely. This podcast is primarily dedicated to helping women bring overall wellness into their life use, using a holistic approach to life. But up until now, I've intentionally only spoken to women who are doing great things by following their passion. However, I thought it was extremely important to bring you on as someone who has faced adversities at different stages on your journey to doing such amazing and literally life-changing work. So in the spirit of applying your book's message, what advice would you give women listening who face fear and adversities on their path to doing something hard that either they or others thought they could never do? First and foremost is to stay consistent um, and to believe in yourself and not get discouraged along the way. Um, one thing that worked for me, uh, which I still do to this day, is that my father had this way of um, disarming my fear by basically saying, okay, uh, what's special about people that did whatever it is that you're trying to do? What's so special about the people before you that came before you? Aren't they just people? I mean, they're not, you know, superhuman or anything like that. They're, they're people and they, they were able to do it. So why can't you? And once I let that mindset kind of really set in over and over again, every time I'd face some sort of adversity or challenge and I'd get discouraged, like, oh, you know, see, you know, uh, uh, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm, uh, I'm out of my league, this, that, and the other. Kind of getting that hardwired into your brain that, no, you belong here. There's nothing special about the people that came before you. And you have to really embrace that mindset um, and, and just stay at it. Consistency is the one thing that I would say is if you can master consistency, keep at it and when even when the chips are down and, and and you had a mishap or a setback or whatever there's so the threshold for people to just tap out and give up these days is all time you know it's so low mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. so so low because we're, we're we're accustomed to you know everything's on demand one button you know right. amazon prime you know you get it tomorrow yes. you know what i mean mm -hmm. it's not waiting for so delayed gratification is is going to be increasingly an uncommon and highly valued commodity in our world and mm -hmm. if you can if you can hone in on that you're going to be golden i absolutely agree and and seen that many many times over if the listener hasn't caught on already the goal of this episode is to study the patterns of those who um do hard stuff pretty much to make it very plain and relatable with okay. the hopes of inspire with the hopes of inspiring and implementing some some of their practices into their own life 
Can you tell us two everyday wellness practices that you do to help fuel you as you continue on your journey? I know you mentioned, you know, one of them that your dad passed on to you, but if there's another that could also um, help them. Sure. I think first and foremost, there's a natural tendency for us, all of us to uh, focus on the negative, focus on the bad or, and forget how much good there is in our lives. And, uh, you know, from my perspective, dealing with life and death, literally every day and seeing, and seeing, you know, people at their worst and, you know, losing somebody because of disease, illness. Um, one of the things I do every day is first thing when I'm, you know, come to is I, I, I try to make sure I, I take account of what I'm thankful for. You know, that I'm alive, that I'm healthy, that my wife is healthy, that um, that I'm, I, I can live to fight another day. I, I've, I start thinking about all the great things that have happened, all the blessings in my life, all the wonderful things that have happened. And immediately that sort of puts you in a positive head headspace, I think. Mm-hmm. It, it helps sure. you. Um, and so you're ready, I think, to take on whatever the day's going to throw at you because you've already taken you know, full account of all the great things, all the things you're, you you should be happy about in your life. And so that's one thing. I think it's very, very important. And the second thing, which we've kind of alluded to already, is is kind of my version of kind of tact, you know, tactical mindfulness, you know, where you're you're at control and aware of what you're thinking and how you're, you know, conceptualizing things around you. So the moment that I feel something is upsetting me or stressing me or whatever it is, I kind of have this almost now having done it so long, this automatic, you know, reflex like, okay, what, what, what is it about this that's making me feel this way? Why am I upset? Why am I angry? Why am I sad? Why am I nervous? Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, deep, I, you know, take deep breaths in and out and I just kind of process it. And there's just way, something about, calling something out you know in your mind and Mm -hmm. saying this is what's happening and i'm feeling this and why and somehow you kind of empower yourself to take control of that situation no matter what it is and you know it's it's basically uh, i'm sure you you know this much better than i do a form (laughs) of cognitive behavioral you know therapy where you're yes (laughs) you're just kind of you know intellectualizing or making you know putting words into what you're feeling and, and thinking at that moment and essentially taking control of it. And I yes. think for me, that is key. That is so key. And it's something I really didn't tap into until, you know, my you know mid to late thirties. And I think it's done mm-hmm. wonders for me because obviously, you know, we all have stressful jobs. I have a particularly, especially stressful job, <laughs> uh, you know, and so it, it it's definitely helped me in that regard. So those would be the two things that I would uh, strongly recommend. Awesome. Yeah, I've, I'm definitely a huge advocate and even try to help people become very much aware of their thoughts and try to get a handle on them before they get a handle on you. And yep. so, uh, because that's a whole, that's something, it snowballs ridiculously. Okay, so the last question. I couldn't, I couldn't let you, a very prominent heart surgeon go without asking you this health related question mm-hmm. if there were, if there were one, one to two things or everyday practices people could do to help the, protect their heart's health what would you say they are 
So um, I actually do talk about this in the book at the very end, though, just a very mm -hmm. small portion, because it does tie mm -hmm. back into the theme of the whole book, because the theme of the whole book is not, you know, any any type of progress in your life, whether it's, you know, in your professional life, your social life or your personal health is not a passive process. There is no right. such thing as autopilot. Autopilot means complacency. It means you're kind of just trying to to uh, coast. There is no coasting. And, and by far and away, heart health, your own health is definitely, definitely no exception. It's an active process. Right. You have to exercise. There is mm -hmm. no way around it. <laughs> if, if you are living today and exercise has no part of your routine, three times a week, four times a week, then you need to do that. Um, just like you get up and brush your teeth every day and take a shower, all those things that are embedded in your routine, being active and exercising has to become part of your routine. Has mm -hmm. to. And the second thing is, uh, again, not passive, is eating right. And, uh, mm -hmm. A heart-healthy diet, all that really means is, you know, portion control, you know, mm -hmm. not overloaded in salt, not overloaded in, in fat, uh, not overloaded in sugar. Uh, that's basically a heart healthy diet. And um, again, not easy. <laughs> right, right, um, right. <laughs> so I would say those two things are key because um, they, of course, are not passive. You have to be actively involved and invested in your own health, just like you have to be in your own personal success. It's not going to be handed to you, and neither is your health. You can't assume it's going to always be there because it won't. Right. Thank you so much for fitting us into your busy schedule. Yeah, oh, no, the stars gracious. aligned. No, no, oh, no man. crazy calls overhead. So I, I made it through <laughs> uninterrupted. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So, so thank you so much. And um, I'm going to, I look forward to completing your book and I do recommend everyone check it out. I'm going to put the links to everything in the, um, the show notes and on the, the blog post and everything too, as well. For, so everybody can check it out. Wonderful. Great. Stay safe, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you too. <laughs> yes. Thank you. So are you inspired? I know I am. It was really, really great to hear that hard work can really overcome a lot of other obstacles that you think you may have in your life. And to hear that from such a prestigious person in the medical field, that just brought me like all sorts of just, ooh, you know? <laughs> I wanna thank Dr. Brian Lima for taking his time in sharing his story with us, especially during these crazy times. Again, be sure to check out his book in the show notes, Heart to Beat, A Cardiac Surgeon's Inspiring Story of Success and Overcoming Adversity the Heart Way. If you did enjoy this episode and the podcast itself, I would truly appreciate it if you could give it a rating and subscribe because it really does help support the podcast. If you would like to support the podcast in other ways, be sure to check out the show notes because we have a couple of ways to help support the podcast and the creation of more wellness related content like this. But that is it for this episode. Thank you again for listening and sharing your day with me. And I can't wait for you to hear the next episode because we have some more great interviews on the way. But until next time, stay well, folks. Take care. Bye.